Welcome back to another Two Guys, One Topic podcast. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And this is our Series 2 recap episode that we have called And Another Thing, where what we're going to do is we look at the news articles and interesting updates from the stories and the topics that we researched this year, and then we just share that with you. Exactly. And it also, we think, maybe helps reinforce what we've learned throughout the topics this series and helps us remember some of that information more and sees where it, where it is relevant in the world at the minute. Yeah, exactly. So when we talk about sleep later, you're going to have a chance to recap the world's longest Two Guys, One Topic takeaway. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we, we covered, we've covered 12 different topics, haven't we, over this last series? And they've all been super interesting. And we're just going to pull out a few of those things for you right now. So let's, without further ado, get started. Okay, so we had 12 topics, didn't we, Ollie? Um, Everything from wine to sleep, bumblebees, wind farms, cargo shipping and spies. And... uh, we had to decide or we had to look for, maybe search up some stories and latest information and updates about them. So I think everybody listening to this right now, there are two main um, newsworthy stories, aren't there, at the minute, about two of our topics. The first of which, we're going to go with our container shipping. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. It's, it's one of those topics, and I said it at the time when we were covering it, I think I even said to you, Liam, really? Is that the topic that you're going to choose as your listener, as your Liam's choice? And it turned out being absolutely fascinating. We've had loads of messages and loads of people get in contact with us just saying how good that was as a topic, even though it sounds super dull. Yeah, not only that, we had a fantastic interview with Lars, didn't we, off the back of it as well? Yes. And the senior vice president of uh, Maersk, you know, the largest shipping company in the world. We really got into our interviews this series. I think we did really good with some of them. Definitely. So that one definitely. particularly was interesting, just as he, he pointed out, you know, just how worldwide and how important container shipping is to everything that we sort of do and consume. Oh, massively. And just going back to that fact that 90% of all global trade, things that we buy, has been on a boat. That's absolutely nuts to think that that is the case. And we're starting to see in the news at the moment that there are just some issues in trying to get all of those things that we all rely on all the time into people and the consumers that actually want them. Yeah, which is exactly what Lars said to us, isn't it? Like demand yeah. is far higher than they can supply. And, you know, we, we went through lockdown, everybody wanted to buy everything. And now, you know, everybody had all this disposable income, they were buying up stuff all left, right and centre. But where is that stuff coming from? It's got to come off a, cont- uh, a container ship from somewhere. and it's just it's just affecting everything isn't it and the i found it quite interesting that there are even like those big <clears throat> names within the retail space because we're starting to approach christmas we're in september now they're starting to get worried about being able to keep up with the demand that their consumers and their customers will want for christmas so you've had some of these massive companies the likes of walmart and ikea and john lewis which is a big chain in the uk They've been chartering their own ships, haven't they? Yeah, because yeah, just getting their own stuff over it. Another, yeah, like because demand is so great, like the cost of doing it now 
this time last year, it was about $4,000 to con- ship a container. Now it's north of 20000 That's like a, a one-year, like, how much more expensive is that? It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Maersk and all the other shipping companies are going to do well out of it. Yeah. That That's for true. sure. That's for sure. Yeah. I was reading an, an interesting piece on this about wondering if this is just a blip because of all of COVID and is this something where it's just the world trying to readjust and keep up? Or is it that ships are struggling? Is it that containers aren't able to keep up with the demands of this this new global economy? Everyone buying stuff online all the time and maybe even more demand. So, yeah, interesting perspective on it. Yeah, I read somewhere that they were saying about, well, can't you make more ships? But the ships themselves take about three years to build. So it's sort of pointless. And there was a new bigger ship, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some pretty ginormous one, right? But it's it's funny, whenever they say a new ship has come out, I think you mentioned it in the episode, there's still limitations to like how big that they can get. And this this new ship that's come out from, um, what was the company where they blocked the canal? The Evergreen. Evergreen. They've now got the biggest ship in the world, an Everace, which is still 400 metres long. So I think it's like 10 centimetres bigger than the last ship. And it's only fractionally wider because you've still got to remember it's got to fit down the Suez Canal. Which got blocked again, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, it did. One of the lanes got blocked. Um, uh, it was, uh, I wrote this down somewhere. Just a, a boat got grounded, but it's like two lanes, isn't it, coming in and out of the canal? Yes. Whereas before, the other one went a bit sideways and blocked everything, whereas this yeah. one only blocked one lane. So it wasn't quite as bad, but, um, you know, it did happen. They're, they are spending lots of money to make it, or billions of money to make it um, wider, aren't they? We should ask Lars, like, if his phone was blowing up that day. If all of a sudden yeah. he was then panicking, everyone sending him emails and messages, there's another ship that's blocking it. But, yeah, yeah thankfully, they managed to refloat it, it pretty quickly, didn't they? He was talking about delays and things as well, wasn't he? And at the minute, very recently, there's loads of boats outside LA and um, is it LA in California somewhere? Something like that. Um, because they just can't, there's like supply and demand, everything's all backed up and backlogged. So there's like 70 massive container ships waiting because that's where they come, like from China to America. Yes. They just go that way around, don't they? You know, apparently, um, yeah, that, that port takes in 40% of all of the US's consumption. And wow. pre-COVID, they, I was reading saying that it would be unheard of to have, you know, more than two ships sat waiting. But what did you yeah. say? There's about 70. 73, I think, maybe. Wow. But the problem is they're too big. So they, it's not like they can just go up the coast to another port. You know, there, obviously okay. there's loads of ports along yeah. the coast, isn't there? Along yeah. the coastline of America. But the boats are too big. So, you know, Ukraine gantry things, they, they, they just can't sit underneath them because the boat itself is too big. And that, again, that's what Lars was saying, wasn't he, about like just build bigger boats. But yeah. and you need bigger ports and bigger, bigger cranes. cranes and more more um, lorries, which we know there aren't any of at the minute. So sort of pointless. So yeah. So if if that sort of sounded a little bit interesting to you, go back and have a a listen if you haven't done to the topic expert interview with Lars from Maersk. It was fascinating to speak with him, and you'll also hear that how far I would make it along the Suez Canal with how cheap I thought that you could. Uh, Sail yeah, and you thought that you could get through it for 350 grand and we <laughs> thought that was a lot of money but it turns out that ain't nowhere near how much it actually costs so, uh, nice. have a listen. so the, the um, other topic that we keep on hearing about we'll see in particularly in the uk at the moment is energy 
gas prices and renewable energy. And that was coincidentally one of our topics as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The price of gas has gone up. Um, I, I had a quick read about why that, because, you know, this, this is going to come out when, when this comes out, this episode, this will still be rumbling on, won't it? This story is yeah. not going to go away in the next few days. Yep. Um, so I thought I just, I better find out why this is. Basically we had a very cold winter and everybody used up all the gas. Yeah. And, the Northern hemisphere. Yeah. Same with us, same with Asia. They all used up all the gas. So the energy companies Obviously, it's, it's just a supply and demand thing. Now, the price of gas has gone up ridiculous, what, 250% or something since January. Yep. About 80% since in the last month. But the problem is the government or off-gen put price caps on things or energy caps. I can't think what it was called. That's right. Like that. Which means they can only charge so much for the gas that we use for our central heating. And obviously, they can't pass on they can't get the money back that they're having to pay extra for the gas because they can only charge us so much money. Yes. Yeah. And so there's been yeah, loads of energy firms in the UK that have been going out of business just this week, but it seems like yeah. it could be a trend and happening in other places of the world. So yeah, so there's they the- just add more, bit more wind energy then. Although I did read that it was not very windy, was it? Well, that was Maybe one that- of the issues as well. So it's it's almost culminating in a perfect storm. There's been a super cold winter last year, which used up all of the, the, the gas that was stored to hopefully then use it then this year but then it hasn't been windy enough out in the sea and that was one of the, the cons that we mentioned in our episode about wind energy obviously you need it to be windy yeah i think it was i read somewhere it was like the third least windy year in the last 60 years or something <laughs> like, who tracks that i don't know how they track that but so yeah there's a con of having loads of wind farms if it ain't windy then it ain't gonna matter is it um one of the things that's definitely on the app and we we mentioned it about people trying to come up with new innovative ways to make the most out of wind one of them was there's now the world's largest floating wind farm that is in production yeah. outside yeah. of um, Aberdeen in Scotland and they've got those enormous uh, wind turbines that we were talking about where they float so they don't need to be so okay. they don't need to be drilled or fixed to the seabed. And yep. that means that they can push them further out into sea because they're floating where you've got a more consistent, stronger winds. So okay. yeah, that's that's starting to, to really they take off. Chase the wind. There's also, there's a Norwegian company made a wind catching system. Did you see this one with like this huge grid of wind turbines? Yeah, yeah. So, so if you imagine instead of one massive wind turbine, it's like, it's very hard to explain. We'll have to put this up on our Instagram, won't we? Yep. It's like a massive rectangle, and inside it is dozens of mini mini turbines, I guess. Yeah, it looked like it's 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 apparently it's a thousand foot high. So I don't know how do you how do you put that into some sort of perspective? Three hundred meters. So like three hundred meters high, and it's a grid, and it's got about one hundred and thirty mini three blade fans in it. Yeah, and, well explained. <laughs> and apparently just by having more of those and using better turbine energy and collecting electricity capabilities, it can create loads more energy off. Yeah, they've got lots of, of little space. generators. They've got lots of little generators instead of one big one. And they think that the lots of little ones go together to make more than they reckon five big ones. Um, but it's quite hard to explain what it really looks like. But yeah, it's like a grid with like, 
loads of fat, you know, 10 along the bottom and they're 13 high stacked on top of each other all inside this grid thing. Um, but <laughs> maybe that'll work. Yeah, and it, I've read it, actually, I've got it written in front of me. I didn't say it when you said it. It's about the size of the Eiffel Tower, height-wise. Okay. So like, when you said how tall was it, that, <laughs> I knew I had it somewhere, but I That's didn't want to say That's pretty big. It. And, and Japan are starting to get into wind a bit more as well, aren't they? Yeah, they've built their first, or they've started, they've laid the foundations for their first offshore um, commercial scale offshore wind farm. Um, 33 foundations have been installed. Um, so they're going to build their first ones, which is good. And Siemens Gamisa Renewable Energy, they've said um, that they have created the first recyclable blade. Nice, nice. One of the things I don't think we really touched on when we did the wind episode was just that because of the way that the blades are made, you can't then recycle them. And so you end up with these blade graveyards. So, like airplane, like plane graveyards. Yeah, yeah. So out in deserts, you then end up with just loads of these blades like stacked up in um, in the Middle East and over in America as well. But that's, yeah. that's quite cool. So renewable energy with renewable blades. Yeah, they tend to be made of composite materials, which obviously is a whole bunch of different materials together, which means it's quite difficult to recycle apparently. Yeah, so yeah, there's our wind wind update, if you like. Uh, but yeah, if you like our episode, if, you, if it sounds interesting, you should listen to our wind turbine episode. Really good, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we might we'll say so, won't we? But it was really good. And <laughs> um, we we do eventually. We have actually got a really good interview lined up for wind farms, don't we? Yes. And uh, all of this going on, the guy we're going to interview, who's pretty high up, uh, has gotten a little bit busy. So we're hoping <laughs> it will happen. I guess probably in a few weeks, but it will come out eventually and uh, hopefully it'll be really good. Yes. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. All right. Next. One of the things that I read about one of our other topics was bees. It's a bit of a oh, yeah, funny old situation with a swarm of bees and some African penguins. Yeah. There's a, there's a beach, isn't there, outside Cape Town. You, if you go, there is a, a beach where a bunch of penguins have made it their home, haven't they? So you're literally on sand. It's not snowy. Yeah. It's an actual normal beach with a bunch of penguins, like loads of penguins. And uh, what happened to said penguins, Ollie? Well, they're on the endangered list as well. So they're, they're pretty important. They're on the red list. But unfortunately, 63 of them got killed by a swarm of bees. Eesh. Yeah, there were dead bees on the scene, apparently. Like, because they knew it was the bee. They had stings around their eyes or something. And then they, I mean, you have to get stung a lot of times to die from a bee, unless you're yeah. allergic, I guess. And, well, we should probably say, just in case our topic expert, Jill, from the Bee Conversa- Conservation Trust is listening, we're a fan of bees. Don't, don't think we're not. But this story just couldn't pass us by without mentioning it. So she might yeah, think not- we're giving, giving bees a bad name, but we're not. Not the honeybee, though. Not the honeybee. <laughs> I read a story about the honeybees, actually. In um, Washington State, in America, they, they've got a bit of a problem with, they're called um, murder hornets, aren't they? Have you read about that? Oh, man. They, they look unbelievable as well. They look like an alien type thing, don't they? They're about as big as the palm of your hand, they're like an inch and a half long, like a hornet's nest. And um, they will kill a honeybee hive in hours and they will feed on the larvae and decapitate the bees in what the scientists call a slaughter phase. So these murder hornets are pretty dangerous. Like they don't want them to um, become, I don't know what the word is, like native. I don't, yeah. I don't know how you common. So every time they find the nest, they've got to get it gone. Um, but yeah, so. That sounds pretty gruesome as well. Those, they sound, yeah, pretty ferocious insects. 
But I, I have been paying more attention to bees and honeybees. And I think one of the things that I learned when we did the topic was just about how a honeybee can look very much like a wasp. Yeah, okay. And so I've, I've been paying attention a bit, bit more just out and about, like going for walks and what have you, and then seeing what looks like little bees, but they're actually honeybees rather than just thinking it's a bumblebee. One of the things I've been reading about with bees lately is that they generate little micro amounts of electricity. And by doing so, they, the scientists are claiming that it charms the plants into releasing more scents, which then allows more bees to farm more of the nectar and get more of the pollen off the plants. And so, yeah, they, they've been, I don't even know how they do it. Like when we were talking about your two guys, one topic takeaway, which was the bomb smelling bees. Yeah. Like how they then tie them down and do something to them. I don't know how scientists have figured this out, but apparently they let off little bits of electricity. It then excites the flowers and it sets out more of a scent for them to then get more of the, the pollen, everything they need. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So electric bees is what you're saying. Yep. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently so. All right. Well, mark that as an update on the bee situation. Um, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been reading Matthew Dunn's spy novels. Yes. MI6 has been coming into the news a little bit more lately, hasn't it? Yeah. But more importantly, I've been reading these spy novels, right? Uh, I've read the first one and I've just started the second one. I think the first one was called Spy Catcher and I've started reading the second one called The Sentinel and they are so good. But they are much more interesting because... Now that I'm reading them and I know that he wrote them and he used to be an intelligence officer, it's crazy because, like, it's, this stuff really happened. Okay. Like, like what? Tell you know, me. We, well, like, there, like, there's just bits about the guy and the, the main character. He'll be on a plane and then he'll land only to have lunch somewhere. And then he's got to go jump on another plane to get to Budapest where he's staying in a five-star hotel just to have tea, to meet somebody, then get on the night flight to uh, New York. And you're reading it again. I mean, this is a bit over the top, but it isn't. It's like, this is legit. <laughs> well, we we both absolutely loved speaking with Matthew, didn't we? And just getting, you know, some sort of insight into, into MI6. And for people who haven't listened back to it, definitely highly recommend listening to the MI6 interview. And to remind everyone, so MI6 is where it's more the human intelligence gathering. So that's our spies our intelligence officers out in the world trying to gather gather intelligence to then bring it back to the UK. They then work with the other security services such as MI5, which yeah. is looking after our national interests, and GCHQ, which does all of the um, listening. They're the listening service, aren't they? Yeah. Sir Richard Dearlove, who headed the Secret Intelligence Service for five years, told a memorial event in London that we owe a debt to the diligence and skill of the women and men of our intelligence and security community. Their successes largely go unknowledged, unacknowledged, but they are among the first to be blamed when things go badly, as they must do sometimes when the nature of the threat stretches from large scale conspiracies to lone wolves. So, yeah, so their, their job is a thankless task, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you don't hear about them, they've done a good job. Yeah, and if you do, they've done something wrong and they get some stick. On that note, just, I think, Sir Richard Dearlove, it was talking and then it was in conjunction with what's gone on in Afghanistan as of late. Mm -hmm. 
with um with all of all of that that's going on and there were more interviews in the UK with head of MI5 obviously not MI6 but linked to MI6 saying about how they work closely with them and they've actually foiled 31 late stage terror attacks over the last four years so just going back to your book where you were saying about yeah yeah jumping on a plane going here gathering some information also if they've said 31 do they really mean 131 but they can't tell us (laughs) why because they don't freak out a bit like we said didn't we in our interview with matthew we said at the time or just afterwards like he answered everything but did he answer anything like it's a bit (laughs) like that isn't it (laughs) it was all like yeah a little bit of that moving on and the incredible thing about how many aliases matthew had to keep up with just yeah give it a listen let's leave that as a spoiler you won't like more than five, isn't it? More yeah. than five aliases, yeah. uh, which is just mind-boggling. But yeah, MI6. That's a good one, wasn't it? Really good. What have you learned about wine? Any wine updates? Very short one. You said it earlier and made me laugh. Go on. <laughs> Apparently a big thing is wine in cans. There you go. What update done? Get some wine in a can. See what that's like. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of news on that, I'm afraid. Not a lot of news on sleep either, but I will say, since we did our sleep episode, uh, we did an episode all about sleep, didn't we? And um, we were told that you need somewhere between seven and eight hours sleep. And (laughs) I've now realized I don't need eight hours sleep. And I found that as long as I'm getting seven hours, I'm all right with that. And because I've been told by an expert, I'm all good with seven hours. Nice. Now that sounds good. I've been practicing my falling to sleep technique that fighter pilots do. Do Don't you want me tell anybody. to want me to remind you all of the longest two guys one topic takeaway ever? Nope. You sure? But we did get a message, <laughs> didn't we? Yeah. From one of our listeners, uh, James, and he said the following: "This is dead short. I've been using that sleep technique you mentioned in the pod. Works every time. So if you want to go back and listen to Ollie's the world's longest two guys one topic takeaway, apparently it does actually work. Nice. So go and give it a listen in our sleep episode." <laughs> good one i think maybe the only other notable and quite newsworthy things that were coming out of the other topics that we've done was mainly around weather i think just in general so that episode yeah, came out in the middle of summer like i may maybe around july august time yeah. and since then we've been seeing some pretty extreme weather yeah they've tracked the number of 50 degree days um and realised that in the last 10 years, we've almost doubled the number of days in which the country, the world experiences a 50 degree temperature, 50 degrees somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It's now up to 20, about 26 times a year, it's going above 50 degrees somewhere. And there's been an extra two weeks worth of 45 degrees or hotter. Okay. Like, wow. That's serious heat, isn't it? Like, Along those lines... I then read that there's been a five times increase in extreme weather events over the last 50 years. So basically similar along the same lines of what you've been saying, but yeah, when we were talking and doing the weather episode, people can go back and have a listen, but we just did a little bit of an explainer on how weather fronts work. And just the thing that actually creates weather in the first place is the sun. Yeah. And just the, the fact that the planet is heated differently in different spots that you know the, the where the two different heats clash you know cold and hot air clash into each other you know the, the more 
that the difference in temperature creates more violent weather conditions. So obviously, if you've got some 50 degree temperatures around and that's crashing into some cold air from somewhere else, you're going to get some pretty violent weather phenomena. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's sort of but coming yeah, to again, fruition a bit more. Like when you're listening to the weather now, do you think, ah, I understand a little yeah. bit what they're saying about the hot and cold. Exactly. When, when they show me a weather front coming, I know what, you know, it's funny, like, this is why we do the pod, isn't it? You just learn a little bit about everything. Yeah. And, you know, what have we just talked about? Container shipping, bumblebees, spies, wine, sleep, weather. Like, what is this? Like, how do I know a little bit about all of that stuff now? So... <laughs> It's good, and hopefully, hopefully, everyone out there listening as well, you feel like you've learned a little bit more this series as well, and hopefully, you'll be looking forward to if we come back for a third series. Oh, we can't say if we will, though, can we? That's a we'll have to see whether or not we get signed up by somebody. (laughs) See if we get recommissioned. Yeah, I don't. Well, who's to say? Um, Yeah, I've loved this series. I think the series has been great. I think we've really hit hit the ground running with our interviews I think they've been great coming off the back of our episodes hopefully if we can have a third series we'll carry on doing that line up some great interviews with some great topics people have been joining in more which is great keep doing what you're doing everybody because you're listening so we'll keep going and we love getting all of your messages on Twitter Instagram or Facebook at two guys one topic hit us up and let us know what you think and if there's any future topics you want to cover Fire them over to us. Yeah, get out there and share some knowledge. Mm-hmm.